welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. So I bring you greetings. Uh, Many of you know my family, and uh, they send their love to you. Uh, They have been with you in in, uh, Summer Fire in the past at Avoca, and uh, praise God, they have wonderful memories of how God blessed them through the ministry of Cork Church. And um, I bring you greetings from Rehoboth Church, a new plant in East Belfast, uh, where we've hitched on to. And uh, they send their greetings also and their love in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Steve was just uh, asking us to pray there and telling us about what we are in the the eyes of God. I I have this image in my head of God coming and saying to Abraham, Abraham, I know you're childless, but look up. And he looks up and he sees an innumerable host of stars. And God says to Abraham, I will make your seed as those stars and as the sand that is upon the seashore. And the Bible simply says that Abraham believed God. And I have this image of the recording angel sitting beside the majesty of Jehovah and saying, Lord, do you want me to write beside Abraham's name? He believed you. And God says, no, I want you to write beside his name, righteous. And the angel said, Lord, righteous, Lord? That means he is everything he should be in your eyes. And the Lord said, write righteous beside him, because that is what I have counted his faith as. I have accounted it as righteousness. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And here we are this morning, whatever we think of ourselves, if we are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, if He is our Savior, beside our name in heaven is written, righteous. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. So, right, I have to get my reading specs on because I'm now at that age. I'm going to ask you to do something very unusual. Have a look at yourself. Your arms, your legs your hands. Have a look at yourself while I take a sip of water. What do you see? Who sees the most stunningly handsome guy they've ever seen? God help you. Who who sees the prettiest girl imaginable? Certainly in this place. God bless you. Who sees the same old face they've always seen? Same old dude you've always been. Who sees vessels? Who sees vessels that are filled with the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. That's my word to you this morning. Your vessels. Hallelujah. You carry into this room the presence of God. Wherever you go, if you're in the shopping mall, shopping mall, Wherever you are, if you're in school, if you're out on the street, if you're washing the dishes, you're a vessel. And in that vessel is nothing more than the great treasure that is the Holy Spirit Himself. 
I don't feel like I have the Holy Spirit, Sam. But the Bible says, Paul says, if a man has not the Spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, he's none of his. So all of us as believers have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But I don't feel it, but it's not about feelings. This word, is, this road we walk is a road of faith. The devil tries to drag us into the world of feeling. And that's where this world is at the minute. I feel I'm this. I feel I'm that. You know, truth is no longer, you, you know, it, it, it's not even what you are scientifically. No, it, it's the way I feel. And the problems with feelings is they change. They're up and down. I feel dog tired at times. I, I feel just... I can't think straight sometimes, but that doesn't change the fact that within me, God has deposited His Holy Spirit and also with you. And that has always been His desire. The Bible says that He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. The Bible says that He talked with Abraham and Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. But his desire was never to live in a tent in the wilderness or in a tabernacle in Jerusalem. His desire was always to live in those in whose image we had, uh, who had been made in his image. It's astonishing, isn't it? Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And in context with that, then I would like to read some scriptures. You will know these. And if you're an unsaved person here this morning, if you're, if you're not sure about the purpose of your life or where your life is going, I want to tell you this. The God who gave you life and made you what you are wants to live in you. Hallelujah. I know He's omnipresent. I know that there's not a place in the universe where the Spirit of God is, isn't. But much more than that, his desire is to live in us. Lord, reign in me. Reign in your power. As we have sung. Here's some verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Not glorify God in court church. Not glorify God in some great gathering. Glorify God in your body. Because in Paul's day, there were many who saw the body as nothing. The body is immaterial. Uh, uh, but the truth is, God is saying to us, I want to to glorify myself in your body. And it's amazing that when Paul's writing these words, he's writing it to a church that is so messed up. I mean, immoral living, living in a city whose name meant immorality, Corinth. And yet God is saying, in the midst of all that's going on, do you not realize that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, I needed to be reminded of this. This, this. this is what God was dealing with me with. And then in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, 
For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You see that phrase, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God? Did you know that the Greeks were all about knowledge and that the Jews were all about light and that the Romans were all about glory. And Paul writes, to give the knowledge of the glory, uh, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What the Romans and the Greeks and the Jews were searching for has been given to us in Jesus Christ. We have light, we have knowledge, and we have glory. Isn't that wonderful? Not the person beside you. You, believing child of God, have been given this. And so God comes in his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, do you know what the Holy Spirit reveals? Jesus. He comes to reveal Jesus. And he begins to show us Jesus. At first, when we, are, when we come to Christ, he shows us Jesus as Savior. He's my Savior. He has lifted me out of sinking sands. He has set my feet upon a rock. He has cleansed me. He has delivered me from the bondage that I was in. But he goes on. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. He goes on to reveal that Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He is the one who guides us every day. He is the one who says, there will never be a time or place in your life where I will not be guiding you and leading you. I am your shepherd. I go before you. I lead you to streams of still water and I lead you to grass where you can graze. He comes to us and he helps to show us that he is the Lord of every situation. When I heard that there were some folks among us who had come from the Ukraine, my heart goes out to you. We're hosting a Ukrainian family up in Belfast in, in Gina's house. And, and, and it's our heart's desire that, that we help them and encourage them and that they come to Christ and find even in a foreign land this wonderful Savior. But I have been on mission trips to Ukraine many times. I was just thinking when you're mentioning your, uh, your uh, baptismal service, I remember being in a baptismal service uh, in the north of the Ukraine. I had no idea, uh, having been there about 10 days, why my body was coming out in these large disc-shaped red patches. And then I found out we weren't that far from Chernobyl. And the radiation was affecting, and, and the children in that area, when they smiled at you, their teeth were all black. And we went to a baptismal service in a stream that was probably radioactive. And the pastor, he's right in the middle of it, and he's baptizing away all these Ukrainian believers in their white dresses and their white sort of 
shirts and trousers. And I was sort of saying, is the pastor not worried about the river? And they said, oh, the pastor believes he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. But I remember one time on the mission trip, it was getting late at night. We just conducted a mission and we were driving home and it was near midnight and I, my head was sort of against the window of the bus uh, and the lady beside me was speaking in Russian to the, the man who led the services and, uh, and, and she nudged me and she said, Sam, listen to this, listen to this. And I began to listen and he told of his best friend years previously who was conscripted into the Soviet army as a 19-year-old, but he refused to swear and take the oath. I, I'm not sure what it was in the oath that meant he couldn't take it, but he refused. And so they told him that they would court-martial him. And they said, son, we will, we will send you away to the most eastern part of Siberia. You will be 8,000 miles away from your family. We will inject you with compounds that will render you insane. And you will die in an asylum. And they said, tomorrow you will face court-martial. And that night, first miracle was this young 19-year-old man fell asleep, this Christian boy. And, the next, and in his sleep, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a man whose face he had never seen before. And the next morning, two soldiers came in and they marched him into this room. And there was a long table filled with Soviet officers. And sitting in plain clothes in the middle of the table was the man whose face he had seen the night before. And when he had seen it in his dream, the Lord said to him, I have everything under control. And he's marched in and they read out the accusations against him and they said, sign this. And he said, I cannot. And the man in plain clothes was a hypnotist. And he got up from behind the table. He took his fob out of his, his waistcoat and he began to swing it as he approached the young Christian man. And when he got halfway there, he fell to his knees and began to go around on the floor like a dog barking and wailing. And the officers who were sitting at the table ran out. All charges were dropped. And at the end of the day, it was the hypnotist who ended up in the asylum. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is what the Holy Spirit begins to teach us. He has everything under control. I was reading that passage out of Isaiah 40, which begins... The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I read it in a different translation, and this is what it says. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I thought to myself, oh Lord, that puts a different slant on it, a different angle on it. So many of your people feel that they are in a wilderness. They feel that there's mountains that they, they can't get over. They feel that there's valleys, there's holes, Lord, that are so difficult for them. But that, that goes on. Yes, but in the wilderness, I'm calling my people to make a place for me to dwell. Every mountain shall be brought low. Every valley shall be raised. 
not by them, but, but by me. I will do it in their valleys. And if you're in a valley this morning, I want to tell you, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he will bring down every mountain and he will raise up every valley for he is with you. And the Holy Spirit will begin to teach you things about Jesus, that he is the defeater of death. And when death comes, we can look it in the face and say, you're the enemy that my Savior has overcome and he has my hand as I walk towards you. And I will be absent from the body, but I will be present with the Lord. That's the assurance that the Holy Spirit brings as he reveals Jesus unto us. He reveals that we partake in the victories of Calvary. Just as the children of Israel watched David go out, that little boy, go out against this giant and, and he slew him and he took off his head with his own sword. And the children of Israel who had been so full of fear now enter into the victory of David. We this morning can enter into the victory of Calvary where he slew principalities and powers. Hallelujah. We partake of that. The Holy Spirit begins to show us it's not us. We're not David. He is David. He has slew the giant for us. He begins to show us that because he lives, we shall live also. These promises that the Holy Spirit takes and begins to reveal us. Even, even when we are stuck in our prayer life, when we don't know how to pray, Paul writes in Romans 8:26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. But there's a battle that goes on, isn't there? It's not just the Holy Spirit's within us. The Holy Spirit is in our body of flesh. And that flesh has certain desires that are contrary to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. How do we get the victory? I'm going to try harder. No, I tried that for years and years and years. And I promised God and failed and promised God and failed. Till I came to the point where I could say, God, I cannot do this. But the Lord says, that's why I've given you my Holy Spirit. Paul writes again in Romans 8, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And all of us can say, Holy Spirit, there are areas in my life where I do not have the victory. I can't defeat them, but you can. I will let you have your way. Hallelujah. Because that spirit that we have received is the spirit that enables us to come before God and call him Abba. Abba. The same word that Jesus used to refer to his father in Gethsemane. We can come before him this morning and say, Abba. I remember going on holiday to Rhodes. And uh, there were a lot of Jews uh, in, the, in the hotel. 
And I remember all these kids playing down in the pool. And of course, they were trying different dives and you know, ways of getting into the water. And I, who do you want to see you do those things? Your father. And the kids would turn and they would say, Abba, Abba. Till Abba looked at what they were doing and praised them and were delighted with what the children were doing. We call him Abba this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yet some of God's people have little relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not standing here this morning as someone who is superior to anybody. I'm not. I'm still asking, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. Help me, Lord, to let your Holy Spirit have his way in my life, that glory may be brought to your great name. It was the prodigal who took himself to the far country. And in the father's eyes, he had died there. This, my son, was dead. But deeper than that, he kept looking for him to come back. And your heavenly father, if you're backslidden this morning, he's still standing there waiting for you to come back and he will run to you. And he will kiss you. And he will put a robe on your back and a ring on your finger and shoes on your feet. I, I listened to an amazing sermon recently. The preacher was John Bevere. John Bevere entitled the sermon, The Awe of God. And he told about a time in his life when a fallen tele-evangelist had ended up in prison. For embezzling money. This man was so well known, perhaps the, the most well known televangelist in America, but he had fallen, got into money problems, had been unfaithful to his wife, just down, down, down. He was sentenced to 45 years in prison. And he sent for Bevere and he said, John, did you write this book? And Bevere said, Yes. He said, It wasn't a ghostwriter, it was actually you. And Bevere said, Yes. He said, I need to talk to you, John. He said, some people see me in prison as God's judgment. John, this has been God's blessing on me. This has brought me down to a place that I needed to be brought to. John said to him, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? He said, John, I never did. But I stopped fearing him. Boy, that hit me. That hit me. So many today are, are sort of of the mindset, God's okay with my immorality. God's okay with me sleeping with my girlfriend. God's okay with me taking those drugs. God's okay with this. Do you know what the problem is? They've lost the fear of God. They just see Jesus as a buddy, somebody who will pull them out of situations. But here's the problem. Psalm 25 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Fear Him. Why is it? I, I was shocked at this statistic. Why is it that from 2000 to 2020, it is recorded that 20 million 
former American Christians and evangelicals have given up their faith and now say that they're either agnostic or atheist. What happened? I don't know in every single case, but I know in my own life, when I look back at the sins that I'm ashamed of, do you know why they happened? Not because I didn't love Jesus, but I lost the fear of him. He is an awesome, holy God. That is what the angels shout repeatedly in heaven. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Let us realize this morning as we stand in his presence, Lord, may I stand in awe of you. May I be afraid to sin against you, Lord. Teach me your way. Show me your path. Listen to what it says about the characteristics of the Holy Spirit that was on Jesus in Isaiah 11. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, here are seven things about that Spirit. The Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. That's the spirit that was on Jesus. That's the spirit that lives within us. And if we're letting that Holy Spirit have his way, then we will fear our God, not only serve him. And I don't mean to be afraid of him. I don't mean he's standing waiting to dish out judgment on him. I just mean we are afraid of losing his presence. We are afraid of sinning against him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. This was brought to me recently. I'm just giving you this as a personal word of testimony. And I'm not saying it so that anybody should think that I am anything. For I'm nothing without him. But this is what happened. A few years back, a lady phoned me, and I hadn't seen her in 30 years. 30 years before that, I was a teacher in her school in my mid-twenties. She was a girl in her mid-teens. But my wife had suddenly died, and she phoned me and said, can I come and see you? I, I said, yeah, sure. And I thought she was coming to offer her condolences, and she was. But she sat there in my living room, and she said to me, I've come here to thank you thank me? I said, what did I do? She, she said, do you remember how often I was round in your classroom? And I said, no, actually, I don't. I, I was too busy trying to get the pupils not to kill each other. You know, it was a particular school in Belfast where none of the kids did any exams. Nobody left with any qualifications. That's the sort of community it was. She said, did you hear what happened in my family? I said, well, I'd heard rumors. She said, my father abused me, my three sisters, and my brother for years and years and years. I trusted no man. I didn't trust anybody, none of my relatives, no teachers in school, until you arrived. And suddenly I was looking at a man in whose class I felt safe. And I said, I didn't know that. What was it? It was just the Holy Spirit in me. I had no clue. And I had no idea that 30 years later she would come 
And just a few weeks ago, finally she gave her life to Christ. And she sat with Gina and I. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And she sat with Gina and I the other day, and such is the effect of the Lord upon her life. She, she just said, I love Jesus. And then this is what she said, and I've forgiven my father. And I thought, Lord, it's only the Holy Spirit can do that. We can't just say, oh, okay, I know if to forgive, so I'll forgive. When you have been so abused by somebody, it's the Holy Spirit who gives you the grace to do that. That's what happened in Nicky Cruz's life also when he went back and visited his mother. But it was 20 years after he'd given his life to Christ. And here was this lady now testifying, just full of the joy of the Lord. Just the Holy Spirit has come into our life and totally revolutionized it. Hallelujah. Now here's the thing. Sam, I would love to be like that, but it's just not in me. Here's what struck me when I was reading recently. God says to Israel, I want, to Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle for me in the wilderness. I want you to have wood of certain dimension. I want you to use gold. I want you to use silver. I want you to use brass. I want, to, I want you to use the acacia wood. And not once did Israel have to say, we'll have to go back to Egypt to get those supplies. They had everything they needed. The acacia wood was growing all around them. The gold that had been used one, uh, n not that long before to make the golden calf would now be used to overlay all those elements. The brass that they need for the labor, they would have it. I want to say to you this morning, what, what I'm, I'm preaching about, about the work of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to go back to some previous life to try and find what you need. Everything that you need has been supplied. You have it. They didn't have to go back to find oil. They had olives around them that they could make oil. They, they must even have had badgers because God asked to overlay the Holy of Holies with badger skin. They must have had linen because linen was all around. They had gold and silver. They had everything they needed. And I want to say that to you this morning. This life that God is calling you and I to live, we have everything we need. I remember one time, I had worked in this same room, this music room, for 25 years. And I, I, I returned after the Easter one year and looked out, and on the ledge of, of my music room, there was a little nest with five little eggs in the nest. Now, I grew up in the city, you know. I mean, you had to walk a mile to see a tree where I grew up. So I was, I was not used to it, and it fascinated me. And I pulled the curtain over it because if the kids had got in, they might have disturbed things. And every morning I would go in and I would look, and every evening I would look to see how things were going. Uh, and I often wondered, and I saw the stages that this went through, uh, and mommy and daddy thrush would come back with worms and feed the chicks. I had no idea there were so many worms in Ballyglare. And I just, and I, I remember thinking to myself, how do you get them out of the nest? You know, it, do you just, do you as parents tear the nest apart? Do you know how the parents get them out of the nest? 
they just keep feeding them. And the little chicks get bigger and bigger and bigger till the nest can no longer contain them. And I remember that Thursday afternoon standing and they'd all hopped out of the, out of the nest onto the ledge and they'd never flown before. And I'm standing inside of the room going, go, go, fly. You've got wings, you've got everything you need. And one by one, they hopped off the ledge and they just flew down onto the ground. And I never saw them again after that. And what I'm saying to you, children of God, this morning is you have been given everything you need to live the spiritual life that you have been called to live. Blessed be the name. You don't need to go back anywhere. You don't need to go back to a previous life in order. Your body is a tabernacle for the Holy Spirit. And when God told Moses to make that tabernacle, it was so precise. Certain heights, certain lengths, certain dimensions. Everything was to... Why, God? Why did you require such exactness in what you wanted them to build? And the answer is because His glory was going to be there. Hallelujah. Why does He ask us in His Word to do certain things? It's because His glory is going to live there. His Spirit is going to live there. Now, God told Moses to the dimensions of everything in the tabernacle. And Moses came down again into the children of Israel. But before the tabernacle was bent, was uh, made, Moses made his own tent a place of meeting. And he took that tent outside the camp, away from what was going on there. And God calls you and me to be separate. God calls you and me to be separate from the world. Why? Because he wants a place of meeting. He wants a place where he can come down and commune with us. And that's what Moses did. He sets his tent that he called the place of meeting, now in a place where the people could see the cloud come down over the door of that tent, and they knew God is dwelling with Moses. And the world will see that there's something different about you. They may not be able to, to describe it in biblical language, but they'll know that there's something about her. Take where Gina is, is working. She's the only believer in the school in which she works. All the other people are from Roman Catholic backgrounds. But what do they do when they have a family need that needs prayer? They come to her. Her little office becomes a place where she calls upon God for all of them because there's something different. She doesn't think like us. Oh, there was a time when she was crazy and out in the world, but... She told us of that day when she stood in her living room and cried upon God to change her, and he changed her for the glory of his name. Now they know where to go when they need prayer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And wherever you find yourself, you're a vessel carrying the Holy Spirit with you, carrying him around so that he may minister Jesus. Everywhere you go, you carry his presence. God himself is in us. There's an amazing verse in James chapter 4, verse 5, 
This is where the Amplified Version translates it. Or do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, the Spirit whom He has called to dwell, caused to dwell in you yearns over us, and He yearns for the Spirit with a jealous love? The Holy Spirit yearns for the Spirit that has been placed in you. God is a jealous God. I am jealous for my wife's love. I, I want her to love me like she loves no other man, and she does. Jealousy in that instance is not a sin, for God is a jealous God, and He longs for the love of His people. Yes, your love. You who sit there this morning and look at yourself and feel, but, but I'm nothing. What have I to give up? I'm not like the past Pastor Steve, and I'm not like Pastor Patrick. And What have I to offer? The Holy Spirit longs for the Spirit that has been placed within you. Hallelujah. We've got to see ourselves as God sees us. One writer said, I hadn't understood why Moses spent so much time describing the tabernacle until I read that God's presence filled the space when it was all done. We need to make room for him. Now, I'm going to finish there. That's what the Lord's been dealing with me about. But I want to ask you, has that resonated with your spirit this morning? God wants to prepare you to be a sanctuary. Not Jerusalem, not the Vatican, not any other religious, huge religious sculpture that man has made. God has made you just as you are, that you may be a vessel to carry the Holy Spirit around. And whatever people say, it's because God lives in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's calling us, church, in this day, in this terrible day of darkness. He's calling us to be light. He's calling us to have oil in our lamps and not to be absent when the Lord comes but to have lamps that are burning for His glory. Buy of me, He says in Isaiah 54. Buy, buy of me. It's without money. It's without price. You can't pay for it, but come to me believing, and I will give you the desires of your heart. I will give you the spirit that you need. Hallelujah. Do we believe that? Yes. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Do you believe that for yourself? This is not for the person beside you. This is for you. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And when the Holy Spirit comes, oh, He brings such peace. He brings such hope. He brings such joy. In the middle of all our calamities, He comes and He reveals Jesus. And we begin to say, Lord, I had no idea you were so beautiful. You are beautiful beyond description. 
You are too marvelous for words. I had no idea your grace would be so sufficient for all my needs. Jesus, I love you. I love you because you first loved me. I can't get over that, Lord. It's all about you. You came down to me when I was in my sinking sands. You have set my feet upon a rock. God bless you, court church. I thank God for you. I thank God for the blessing you've been to me over so many years now. And may he continue to expand you. Hallelujah. Thank God you're not going to a radioactive seaside next week. Hallelujah. You're going to good old Ireland with all its sun and sand and the presence of the Lord will be among you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.